0: everybody welcome to tonight's edition of from the boardroom to the locker room our 200th episode yep we've been with you one day short of a year tomorrow we'll be on with you for a year today our 200th episode and we look back at a fantastic sporting weekend as we progress past 200 perhaps it's a new era has begun with regards to men's tennis. He is still world number one today, and he's also the Wimbledon champion. Carlos Alcaraz has heralded a change of the guard in men's tennis He ended Novak Djokovic's long reign at Wimbledon with a 1-6, 7-6, 6-1, 3-6 and 6-4 victory to win the All-England Club title for the first time. And I can tell you from watching him yesterday, it's not going to be the last time. The 36-year-old Serbian had been indestructible on Wimbledon's centre court for a decade, but yesterday he finally met his match as he ran out of ideas to stop the young gun Alcaraz from getting his title. After the 20-year-old had broken for a 2-1 lead in the fifth set with a magnificent passing shot winner, Djokovic's racket felt the full force of his anger. He smashed it against the wooden net post to leave the racket in a mangled mess. Wow. So that earned Djokovic a second warning in the match, which the Serb also being cautioned earlier for taking too much time to launch into his serve. But all that distraction failed to throw off an inspired El He became the youngest man in 37 years to win the Gilded Challenge Cup after Djokovic scooped a forehand into the net as the Spaniard collapsed on his back in a moment of triumph. So, what did Wimbledon see? They saw Carlos Elkarez, dethrone Novak Djokovic, Marketa Vondrousova take a surprise women's title. It was rain, records and royals. Heavy rain brought havoc to the schedule on the second day. After just an hour's play on the outside court, 69 of the planned 77 matches were unable to be completed. Novak Djokovic held dry Wimbledon sent to court with his towel on the first day, appealing to fans to blow on the court during a lengthy delay. Then there were climate activists. They interrupted matches on the third day. They scattered orange confetti and jigsaw pieces on court 18. Two men and a woman, all wearing T-shirts with Just Stop oil printed on them, were arrested on suspicion of aggravated trespassing and criminal damage. One fan even shouted, "Get off the court!" As spectators booed and jeered them. Ukrainian Laesia Tsurenko reached the fourth round after triumphing in the longest ever tiebreak in a Grand Slam women's singles match. The tiebreak decided stretched to 38 points the 34-year-old defeated Anna Bogdan of Romania, 4-6, 6-3, 7-6, 20-18, to make it to the last 16. Zarenka took victory on a seventh match point after saving five match points herself in a three-hour, 40-minute epic on court 14. Let's not forget about Andy Murray. He didn't know if he'll be back at Wimbledon next year after a heartbreaking second-round loss to world number five, Stefanos Tsitsipas. Two-time champion, went down 7-6, 6-7, 4-6, 7-6, 6-4. For a grueling four-hour and 40-minute match-up, which took over two days, the defeat meant the 36-year-old Murray has not made the second week of a Grand Slam since reaching the quarterfinals at Wimbledon way back in 2017. Khandro Davidovich Fukina insisted he had no regrets after his decision to serve underarm when just two points from a place in the last 16 spectacularly backfired. The Spaniard opted for the unorthodox tactic at 8 or in the 5th set tiebreaker against the 16th Holgerun for losing in five sets. Davidovich Fokina also squandered two match points, said it was just another serve, he doesn't regret anything. Victoria Azarenka blasted the Wimbledon crowd as unfair and drunk after she was booed off centre court following her defeat to Elena Svitolina in a politically charged clash. Ukrainian Svitlina came through in three sets and opted not to shake hands with the Belarusian Azarenka in protest over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Belarus are a key military ally of Moscow. Now, having described Grass as the stupidest surface, pick-serving Chris Eubanks left Wimbledon as a shock quarter-finalist and record-breaker. As well as being the only man to hit over 100 aces at the tournament, he unleashed 321 winners beating Andre Agassi's record of 317 from way back in 1992. Novak Djokovic endured a double mini setback in his straight sets win over Yannick Sinner. It was Dr. Point for hindrance for a loud grunt, which accompanied a down-the-line winner. In the same game, the Serb was handed a code violation for taking too long between points. And on ship was so disconsolate after her shot wibbled and defeat to marquette of she told kate that hugs are always welcome in a moving moment on centre court the wife of the heir to the british throne gave the tearful Tunisian a warm embrace as she handed her the runners up trophy she didn't know if she wants to give me a hug or not and i told her hugs are always welcome that was a very nice moment and she's always been there. very nice to me said the tunisian and carlos alcaraz defeated seven-time champion novak Djokovic to claim his first wimbledon title shattering the serbs dream of a record equaling 24th grand slam crown world number one alcaraz recovered from dropping the first set and having a set point in the second to win 1676613664, 1, four hours and forty-two minutes on center court, and a new generation has begun. So Carlos Alcrez beat Djokovic, the first player outside the Big Four to win Wimbledon since 2002. The results being touted as the beginning of a new era. 1974 was when Rosewell and Connors battled it out. 1981, McEnroe took over from Bjorn Borg. 2001, Roger Federer took over from Pete Sampras. And in 2008, Rafael Nadal took over from Roger Federer. And remember 2023, when Alcaraz took over from Djokovic. What an incredible, incredible week or two, I should say, of Wimbledon, it has been. It's all over for now. Roll on, July 2024. Okay, so that was the tennis, and great tournament indeed. But what else was there over the weekend? Unfortunately, if you are a South African rugby fan, you won't be happy after the weekend. But I keep saying it, and I'll have this recording played to you after the World Cup. Because the only game that counts in 2023 is the last game in France. South Africa need to win that last game in France. That will be the cherry on the top of a season that doesn't make any difference with regards to results and that's not me just saying that because the box lost at the weekend it is the most important game in the next four years is the one at the end of the paris rugby world cup so no one makes or breaks a team i guess but you could see that the springbok management are missing Both Sia Khaleesi and Andre Pollard, both obviously we are hoping, South Africans that is, that they are back in the team for the Rugby World Cup. There's no indication that either won't be ready in time and those with longer memories will recall how Khaleesi came through an injury. In 2019, just before the tournament, that uh, led the team to eventual glory. A lot will be written about the nightmare first 20 minutes when, in Stephen Kitsoff's words, the box were chasing ghosts and the way a number of players looked underdone without action for a few months. But the calming force of Khaleesi's leadership and the impact he has in the box game plan, in the tram lines and off the ball, were aspects the box tried to cover but never really got right. The same goes for the calming stewardship that Pollard normally brings at number 10. While it's understandable, the box need to look to cover their bases in case they get an injury. So what about the game itself? Well, I can tell you right now that I think the selection policy that the South African management put in place perhaps showed up a little bit, the inadequacies. But if you think about it, and I mentioned this on Friday, uh, the three loose forwards would not have been in the starting lineup if we were playing a World Cup game or a big World Cup game. Um you most probably would have had Peter Stef de Toi, if he's fit, and Dwayne Van Buren as your three. Most definitely those three. And when Peter Stef came on in the second half, he made a huge difference. Not 100% certain about the Damian Willems' situation and why he was chosen to fly off ahead of Marnie Libbock, who'd had such a brilliant game in uh, Pretoria a week before. However, you cannot ever write off the All Blacks. They ran the ball brilliantly. As I say earlier, Kitchoff mentioned that it felt like they were chasing ghosts for 20 minutes. Now, eventually, they got a huge wake-up call, did the South Africans. They do play one more game in the rugby championship against Argentina in Johannesburg at the end of the month. New Zealand have a four-point lead going into the final match against struggling Australia. The clash of the second-place Springboks and the Pumas will decide who comes second. According to Jacques Ninova, defensively, we were bad. They missed six or seven tackles in the first five minutes. And once again, once again, South Africa struggled under the high ball. I don't know what it is with the high ball game. They just could not get it right. But anyway, be that as it may, let's not worry about what's going on right now. South Africa play Argentina after the championship. They play Argentina in Buenos Aires, Wales in Cardiff, New Zealand in London. Those warm-up matches ahead of the World Cup. South Africa are in Pool B with Scotland, Romania, Ireland, who are currently the top-ranked Test nation in the world, and Tonga. Section winners and runners-up qualify for the quarterfinals. Should the reigning world champions reach the last eight, they're likely to face either second-ranked France or New Zealand. In the quarterfinals, we are going to have a very, very difficult road to the final. And if we win it, it will most definitely be uh, one of those fantastic results as far as South Africa are concerned. So not just the Springboks who lost at the weekend, quite surprisingly for some people, but not surprisingly for me. Argentina pulling one off over Australia. What a game of rugby it turned out to be. It was just incredible. Right at the end, the Australians scored with four minutes to go. Quaid Cooper converted. Australia went into the lead. And then a fantastic performance by the Argentinians, who'd been right in the game from start to finish Spect- spectacular try from a uh, Juan Martin Gonzalez who's been around seems like for about a 1000 years and then Emiliano Boffelli put the conversion over for Argentina to win 34-31 playing away from home but you would have thought that Argentina had won the world cup the way their players and spectators celebrated at the end of the game it was quite incredible the way the uh, two sides went at each other but at the end um the try and the cherry on the cake Just brilliant from Argentina. So victory for them at the end. And uh, it really was a a great game of rugby, particularly if you were a neutral watching the game. So great performance by Argentina. Well done to them. They came out 34 points to 31 victors over Australia. Now Australia, of course, in just under two weeks' time, will have to face the mighty All Blacks. the Bledisloe Cup as they do every single year and I'm afraid unless the Australians can do something quite spectacular they are going to be on the end of a pretty big hiding against the All Blacks that's of course uh, at the end of July so that is the rugby for the weekend on the international stage senior wise there was also some other rugby um unfortunately for South Africans, it didn't feature the South Africans in the final. But is this the precursor to the 2023 Rugby World Cup? Might be. France matched a record and settled a score. They crushed, I mean, crushed the Irish by 50 points to 14 to win the World Rugby Under-20 Championships at the Athlone Stadium in Cape Town at the weekend. The French became only the second team after New Zealand to win the tournament three consecutive times, and they avenged their Six Nations under 20 championship loss in Ireland this year. They lost in Cork, cost France the European title. They are now world champions after outscoring the brave but outclassed Ireland by seven tries to two. Ireland did lead twice in the opening half before France took a 17 14 half advantage after their prop lino Julien scored and they never looked back from there so tremendous performance by them and junior springbok head coach buffana and Clerco praised his under 20 squad when they outplayed england to win the bronze final of the 2023 rugby world cup a 22 15 win earned them the third place on the podium and gave the squad some reward for their efforts uh, during the tournament so great result from them and what a wonderful tournament well supported and the youngsters some of them not so young but had already looked like they're uh, six foot nine and weighing 300 pounds but some really big lads in the uh, under 20 world cup and a couple of names i'm sure that we will see soon in the international scene So what about golf? Well, the weekend was dominated on both uh, the PGA Tour and uh, the DP World Tour, but the Golden State Warriors star Stephen Curry rolled a long eagle putt on the final hole to win the American Century Championship. The Curry wound up two points ahead of former tennis player Marty Fish in the celebrity golf event at Edgewood Tahoe Resort in the tournament's modified Stableford scoring system. Curry shot a 25 on Sunday for a three-round total of 75 against Fish, who won the event in 2020. What about the uh, other golf, the USPGA Tour? Well, Sweden's the Norman, that's uh, the uh, Vincent Norman, won a playoff over England's Nathan Kimsey. With a par on the first extra hole to capture the USPGA Tour Barbasol Championship, the 25-year-old from Stockholm sunk a clutch 7-foot bogey putt on the 18th in regulation to force a playoff and then pitched from the rough to two feet in the playoff and made par for victory. Of course, uh, these uh, golf tournaments all leading up to the Open. Now, Rory McIlroy birdied the last two holes in blustery conditions and won by a stroke at the Scottish Open in North N- Berwick and Scotland. A two-under par 66 marked his fourth straight round in the 60s at the final tune-up for the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool Golf Club. McIlroy of Northern Ireland kept an up-and-down round of six birdies and four bogeys, with birdies at the par 3-17th and par 4-18th to finish at 15-under, 265. Scotland's Robert McIntyre carded a 64 to get to 14-under, including a closing birdie that momentarily gave him the lead at the Renaissance Club. But then Matt McElroy sunk a four-foot birdie putt to move into a tie at the 17th and smashed a two-iron into the wind within 10 feet to set up the winning birdie putt. So uh, this week, of course, uh, the Open Championship, that's the British Open, it's all to play for 151st Open returns to Hoy Lake, and the excitement is rising as the countdown nears. The first tee shots on Thursday, with a claret jug being given out on the 23rd July Sunday at Hoy Lake. This year, the winner will collect a record $3 million in prize money. It's the highest amount in the tournament's history, an 18% increase from last year. Now, Royal Liverpool was the inaugural Men's Amateur Championship host in 1885. It played host to the first ever international match between Scotland and England in 1902 and hosted the first home international match between Great Britain and Ireland and the United States in 1921, an event which eventually became the Walker Cup. In fact, it's Royal Liverpool Golf Club's contribution to the amateur game that has set it apart from all other golf clubs in England. Although at the end of the 19th century, it was the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews that took on the role of the governing body in golf as the game developed, it was at Royal Liverpool that the rules of amateur status were laid down. So, the defending champion is Cameron Smith. He will return as the champion gold medal winner, as they call it, after last year's one-shot victory. There are the contenders. Some that come to mind, Scotty Scheffler, John Rom, and, of course, Rory McIlroy. He looks to end his nine-year major drought at the venue where he won the Open when it was last held in Hoylake back in 2014. And he's certainly on form, as you will remember. Of course, he just won in Scotland. Now, Ernie Else. Remember him? He once again leads 10 South Africans. That include amateur golfer Christo Lumprecht making his debut after winning the 128th Amateur Championship at Hillside last week. The 22-year-old says it's amazing to get into the... And, of course, Ernie, well, he's there as well. And, unfortunately, there'll be no Sir Garcia. His quest to play in his 25th straight Open Championship came to an end when he failed to qualify for the season's fourth major. What a pity we won't be seeing Sergio García. We look forward to a fantastic golf tournament. We will be bringing you updates and a preview of the weekend action on Friday as well. Now, motorsports, and uh, if you are interested in Formula E, the Avalanche Andretti, Jake Dennis, took a big step towards becoming Britain's first Formula E world champion yesterday by winning the second of two races in Rome to lead the electric series into the finale in London. The last two races will be at London's Excel Centre on the 29th and 30th of this month. Dennis now 24 points clear of Envision Racing New Zealander Nick Cassidy. The points difference means Dennis, who's also the fastest lap yesterday, could clinch the title with a race to spare. I'm sure if you um, are that interested in the Formula E, they look fantastic, but they just don't make the same noise as a Formula One car. So it is a little bit uh, disturbing, if you like, uh, with regards to the performance of the cars. But... It will, of course, be all action come the end of the season. Now, the top-rack Razgatikula show continues. The Turkish rider did the double in Sunday's Imola Superpole, as was the case in the last two races. He was overtaken at Turn 1 by Alvaro Batistuka and Andre Locatelli, but the Turkish rider regained his lead into the next turn after Batistuta lost the front end his brother a bit of motorsports that took place over the weekend and uh, if you are a friend of the biking world there you go that was what happened now mercedes are taking a closer look at the upgrades on the mclarens looking for a clue the formula one team made such a leap in lap time technical director of mercedes james allison says that the mclaren team that finished second and fourth in last sunday's grand prix with norris and Oscar Piastri, while well, seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton, was third. Mercedes George Russell, fifth. Norris's podium was with his ladies-powered team's first of the season. So a Mercedes-powered car beating the factory Mercedes car, I can understand why they are wanting to have a look at uh, what actually has been done to the car. And then, of course, the other big news ahead of this weekend's uh, Formula One race is Daniel Ricciardo's return to Formula One. The announcement that the 34-year-old replaced the Nick de Fris should have rung alarm bells for Sergio Perez, whose contract alongside Max Verstappen Runs till the end of next year, but there's no grace. If you're not performing, goodbye. Now Al Fatari, who will have new bosses and a different name next year, can benefit from the experience of the eight-time race winner. Although how long Ricardo is prepared to be an also ran remains to be seen. But I guess he'll be delighted to get back into the driver's seat ahead of the action this week. And it should be a absolute cracker, an absolute cracker as the teams continue to upgrade their cars. Hunger Roaring in Budapest is where the race will take place. It's about 25, 30 kilometers outside of Budapest. And then, of course, it's uh, three races in a row. They go from Hungaroring in Budapest to the Circuit de Spa-Francorchamps at Spa-Francorchamps in Belgium. The GPs will then go the following week uh, to the British Grand Prix. And then, of course, the uh, Dutch Grand Prix follows that at the end of uh, August before the Austrian Grand Prix MotoGP and then the Formula One Grand Prix in the Netherlands. So a lot of motorsport to still come. That is tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. We've looked back at most of the major sporting activities. The big one, of course, Wimbledon. Well done to Carlos Alcaraz for taking away that title that belonged long to Novak Djokovic. A new era in men's tennis, he is world number one and continues on today as the world number one. We hope you've enjoyed our 200th edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Join us again next time when we'll bring you more from the world of sports. As usual, be nice to each other. Until next time, bye for now.